we are going to be uncovering some untold riches. Let's do this. Hey friends. Hey neighbors. It's Peyton and Richard back for another episode of Untold Riches, our uh, our exciting podcast where we talk to our friends, our colleagues, and perfect strangers about what helps them get to where they are, where they came from, uh, and who and what may have helped them along the way. Learn a few stories, hopefully a few insights. And uh, and today we're going to be welcoming Ryan onto our uh, our show. Uh, Richard, why don't you talk a little bit about Ryan? Ryan is the man. Uh, you know, you meet people in your life. You, you know how you meet those people in your life, and uh, they'll say something, and then you'll end up just quoting them for the rest of your life. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't happen a lot, right? Because not everybody has something quote worthy. Uh, but one of the things that I got from Ryan early on, he took me to uh, he took me to a basketball game, uh, and that was awesome, just in and of itself, as it's just like to get to know you type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when we were there, I was don't remember exactly how we got onto the conversation, but I remember he told me something I'll never forget. He said, when you say yes to something, you're telling the rest of the world no. And that has been something that had really, really changed me and how I perceive the decisions that I make. And as a self-professed people pleaser, uh, I, I, it has been something that has been life-changing for me. So it was absolutely a natural uh, progression into thinking when we started this, that it would make all the sense of the world to have Mr. Capel join us. And I'm excited to have him on the show today. Yeah, no, uh, I spare my backstory. I've known him for a few years in passing through the office. You know, he works in close partnership with our brokerage. Uh, really hadn't gotten to know him very well, but you know, we, we chatted. And then we were at planning day for BBS last year. And he shared that story that he may talk about today. If not, definitely reach out to him about it. But a very touching story about his family that had me openly weeping just openly snot crying in front of like 50 of my colleagues. And he did not know at the time how badly I needed a good cry. It was like leading to the holidays, stress is starting to build, end of the year is coming. And I was like, that is such a beautiful story. Oh my God, and it kept getting better and better as his outreach and his ability to heal through that and grow through that experience kind of took me on a ride. It was really exciting to uh, to get to feel that vicariously through him and have that sort of catharsis. It was really brilliant. And Absolutely. I don't know, he went from like a guy I knew who was a mover and a shaker to like a real human, you know, when you yeah. break through that. Yeah. And uh, it was really exciting. So uh, without further ado, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and bring on our guest. Yeah, let's and, do it. Uh, we'll, we'll holler at Ryan. Hey, man, how's it going? Guys, going great. Um, I don't deserve that intro, but uh, oh. certainly certainly appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to just chatting it up with you guys today, seeing, seeing where this leads. Do, do you know the name that you know how I reference you as, as Katie told you how I reference you by name? Uh, now what the nickname I gave you is? No. <laughs> I call you R Yank. You're my R Yank. R Yank. You, know you know why you're R Yank? For the, well, it helps with my email. That's it. That's it. That, so now everyone's got your email, but I just, I, every time I see it, it's not Ryan K it's R Yank. Yeah. Well, dude, you see you see the world a little differently than some other people, so I, I like that. That's well, that's what we're all about here at Untold yeah. Riches, man, is seeing the world a little bit differently yeah. through someone else's paradigm, someone else's lens, and I think that's a great segue into getting us started, man. Tell us a little bit about who you are. If someone's never met you and you had to give them the Ryan Capel story in five minutes or less, kind of run us through who you are, how you've gotten to where you are, and uh, anything that you think that our listeners, viewers would want to know about you to get to know you quickly. Okay, cool, cool, man. So I'm uh, 
I'm from Denver, Colorado originally. So if you ever follow me or something and see me posting about the Broncos or the Nuggets or, you know, you're like, was this guy, what, what's this all about? That's where I'm from. Um, I love the Rocky Mountains. I got a bunch of family out there. Um, I was uh, born there in 1985. And then uh, my, my mom was escaping her family from the East Coast, trying to rebel, met my dad, this mountain man, kind of total opposites. Um, and they, you know, got married in college, had me young. By the time I was, uh, you know, three years old, they got divorced. Probably could have seen that coming. Uh, most people probably could have seen that coming. But um, and then at age of five, I moved to Northern Virginia. And so uh, my childhood was kind of spent really in two different places. It was, um, you know, summers and Christmas time would be out with my dad. He was a teacher. So I had like incredible experiences with him. He had a little bit of land, had some horses. So didn't, you know, didn't have a lot of money or anything, but we got, when we would spend time together out in, in Colorado, we would do things like elk hunting and, you know, crazy hiking and just these trips all over and he was off. So it was really, really great in hindsight, despite, you know, the, the painful part of growing up in a, in a divorced family or whatever. Um, he remarried, got, got siblings out there. So half my family's out there. And then my family, um, you know, is most of the rest of the family is, is on the East coast or whatever. And so, um, yeah, so that's that's like my early childhood. Um, have some siblings on my on my mom's side now too, which is great. So I'm a big brother to, to a bunch of, of siblings, which is cool. Um, and then you know, really fell in love with basketball growing up. Um, so from a very young age, I just loved it. I, I had to dream like all young kids, probably that I want to be in the NBA. And uh, thankfully, God blessed me with some height, so I was able to do that. I'm almost six six, so so that was helpful. Um, you know, didn't make it to the NBA, but um, did get my college paid for uh, at Presbyterian College in South Carolina. Spent four years playing there. And um, that was really actually a humbling experience because, you know, it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. But I feel like I did a lot of growing there. And um, and then after college or actually during college, I, I interned at, at Champion Title. I took a real estate course in college that was the first thing that really grabbed my attention and my interest. And that's a whole crazy story about how I you know, actually got the internship here and, and how God kind of used that. It's, it's unbelievable. But, um, you know, I've just been I've just been really blessed, man. I've, I've been here in this position at Champion for almost 17 years now, which is hard to believe. Um, seen a lot of growth in the company, have gotten a lot of cool experience in different positions and made just some incredible relationships, which is great. Um, best part of my life, uh, my wife, I was introduced by Eric Pearson, best assist he ever gave me. We're basketball players, but that was the best assist. Uh, introed me to Kristen, my wife, we met uh, towards the end of college, dated for a few years, uh, got married, and now we have four beautiful boys, uh, Caleb, Jonah, Micah, and Isaac. We kept it we kept it biblical and Old Testament. Didn't, you know, some of it wasn't planned, but it just ended up being that way. Um, but my guys are now eight, eight, five, and two. So, you know, my real job starts when I when I uh, wake up before work and then right after work. Um, just just hanging with these guys. But it's so much fun. Life is good. Um, I'm blessed, man. And uh, that's just a quick rundown. Right on. A lot of nuggets there. Peyton, thoughts? I didn't know none of that. That's so. Your dad <laughs> is a mountain man scholar. Your mom, can you talk a little bit more about your mom? She sounds like a pretty yeah, great Yeah, so my mom has a background in um, social work. Okay. And she's, yeah, she's an incredible lady. Shout out to my mom. She's she's um, helped start nonprofits. She's uh, been in the school system as a social worker. Just gave her notice. She has her own business that she's launching in her 60s 
I'm like, mom, you, I'm so proud of you. She's bold. She's down on, uh, I think it's on King street in downtown Leesburg. She got her first little office. She's got her therapy license and she's going for it. She's seeing clients in evenings and weekends and she's going full time with it. Um, starting this summer, she's really, her business has taken off. So, uh, if anybody needs any, any, you know, family, uh, therapy or anything for kids or something. She's, she's just, that's her whole career. That's 30 plus years, 40 years of her career in social work and counseling and those types of things. So she's awesome. So that's my I want to hear that, that she took a risk. I mean, it's so many people wish that they could do or take a risk or try something new. And I think a lot of people have an age limit on that, right? We have like, a, yeah. there's a ceiling on, oh, I'm too old now to do that. And yep. you hear her do something like that to start it in her 60s, something it sounds like she's probably been thinking about for a long she's time. She's wanted to do it forever. She's leaving a stable paycheck. But we had this conversation yesterday. She said, you know, she was kind of just repeating, oh, I'm leaving the paycheck again. I'm leaving the paycheck. I said, Mom, do you feel like God is leading you down this path? She's like, absolutely. He opened the door for me to get this space. I'm getting these clients. Like, it's going well. People, I'm, I'm impacting people's lives. I said, and just stop saying that stuff out loud re-questioning yourself. You met with your financial advisor about it. You prayed about it. Uh, you're more busy than you could ever be. Think about what you can do when you have your full day in front of you. And now you can get referrals from people in the schools that you've known. I mean, everywhere. And so she's, you know, just walking her through that. She's like, yeah, definitely. You're right. Uh, I know it's the right thing. I know it's going to be amazing. And it's going to allow so many other cool things in my life. But yeah, it's very fulfilling for her. And she wants to, you know, go after it for 10 years that way. So that's inspiring, man. Like when you're, when you, when your mom in her mid sixties is, is, uh, launching a business, it's like, man, what excuse do you have to, to, you know, about being fearful for whatever, yeah. you know, you feel like you're supposed to be doing. That's yeah, what a great example. That's yeah. all. That's yeah, a, my kid's in his early 60s and he's like been chained to a, a, a design table in a flower shop for 45 years and it's just cannot get wait to get the hell away from work <laughs> seeing somebody but his relationship to his work is very different than what you're describing yeah you know i know that piety is a big part of your your personal identity and your personal journey mm -hmm. um would you be comfortable talking a little bit more about how that's influenced maybe your mom and stuff like that is that something that she sees as like a personal gift she shares or like how do they join together how does that Oh, you mean like her, you, when you said piety, you reference it like her, her faith? Her spiritual, her faith. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, my mom grew up, I would say, like um, what I would call religious. Like a lot of people use that term and they mean different things. I was trying to avoid it with piety. They, <laughs> they mean different things by it. No, yeah, just yeah. so like some, when I hear some people say, oh, Ryan, you're so religious. And I know what they mean by that. And it's like, you know, but um, my faith, some people compartmentalize their faith like, OK, I need to check this box of my faith. Like here's like six boxes or circles or whatever. And I got to, you know, and I, I just God doesn't want that. Like God wants he's Lord of it all. Right. So he 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 wants to you to include him in your business. He wants to include him. It's really his business. He wants you to include in your finances and your relationships and everything. Right. So that's that's how I believe. And that's my mom. Um, I would say we grew up more of just kind of the check the box type mentality. But um, kind of after college, like it was kind of crazy, like I kind of you know, really came to a, a different understanding of my faith and um, and sort of it became real to me versus, um, you know, something that you kind of just grow up on and say, oh, yeah, I'm that because I was raised this way or that way. And I think that my mom, it was like weird how it happened. It was around the same time for her, too. So she um, she really feels that that's what led her actually into the school system because she wanted to serve um, children that way. And, and she's she's done some unbelievable stuff for for a lot of different kids kind of behind the scenes and and but now she feels like you know th there's only certain things you're allowed to do there from that perspective of like a faith-based perspective and so 
um, now that she, you know, has her business and stuff like that, she's allowed to be a little bit more open with it for people who would, who would like to go there. And, uh, but that's certainly the driver for her is like, you know, loving God and loving people. Right. And like, and meeting people in, um, you know, it's a hard time to be alive in some ways, right? Not right now, just with so much going on in the world and especially our kids with the social media stuff they get hit with and just your identity crisis and trying to, you know, compare yourself to somebody else, all these things. It's like a perfect storm for, you know, um, somebody like my mom to come in and help, right? Like, so that's, that's, that's what drives her for sure. Yeah, it feels like in today's society, uh, you bump into people and, and they might be, like you said, religious. And that's not a dirty word by any means, but right. it can trend toward like the obligatory versus uh -huh. something that personally empowers you and fuels your engine for change yeah. and development personally. And that was one of the things that really struck me about you. It's like I bump into a lot of different types of professionals. Some are very openly spiritual or faithful or this or atheist, whatever. And for you, it's like you communicate about it in such a way that it's very open and, and feels like something you bring to yourself and informs you and you bring to other people, but it doesn't dominate in any way that would make a person who's less, less faithful and comfortable. And that can be a tough line to ride. You know what I mean? To be personally empowered by it without having it alienate other people. So that's really, yeah, cool. I, I mean, I appreciate that. You know, I think, I think the most important thing, at least or one of the most important things is authenticity. Right. And so like, if I love you guys, which I do, and I care about you and people that I encounter, like, it would be like not genuine if I wasn't who I am, right? And you guys can be who you are, right? And that doesn't mean people always have to agree on everything in every way, but we can still respect each other and, um, you know, and have a great relationship. And so, yeah, like for me, like, you know, it used to be like, okay, like when I was growing up, like make it look good on the outside, but don't be real about what's going on, on the inside. And, you know, now it's like, you know, man focuses on outward appearances, but God focuses on the heart. Like God, God's aware of the heart. So I just try to be genuine. I'm not perfect with it by any means. Um, we all struggle with different things, but um, just try to be real, you know, and authentic because I think everybody at the end of the day can relate to that and, and, you know, know that even if there are some differences there or whatever, different opinions, different beliefs, you know, the, the person's coming from a, a, a place of, you know, just genuine love and respect, you know? Well, one more question about your, your upbringing, if you don't mind, before yeah. I return back to his agenda. Um, are you still half a mountain man at heart? Do you still? Oh, like man, dude. Like yeah, I'm so sad this year because I put in for my um, my elk tag, you know, every year because it gets like a lottery system. And I go with the same little group of guys that my dad started this with 35 years ago. And I had my cousins getting married like the same week. So I had to like put in for a preference point instead of a real tag. So I'm like not getting the mountain time. And then for Wholehearted Foundation, the, the charity that we started, um, you know, because of my son, we've climbed a couple big mountains uh, as fundraisers. And it's just, dude, there's just like an itch there that has to be scratched every once in a while. And it's just uh, something about getting out there and being unplugged and just in awe of creation is like just crazy. So we did... Uh, Mount Rainier, which if you haven't been out there in Washington is just crazy. I mean, it's the most glaciated mountain in the lower 48. And, you know, that's where people train for the big mountains around the world. And then we did Mount Whitney, the Mountaineers route a couple of years back, which was also uh, grueling. I thought I was going to die on that one for a little bit, to be honest with you. I didn't bring enough food. I went by the guides list of like, uh, hey, this is how much food people should eat. Right. And they didn't want me to carry extra weight. Yeah. And, how dumb of me. I'm six, six and I'm like, I eat a lot, you know? 
So I run out of food like on the way down and I feel like I'm literally floating outside of my body. Like somehow I get down. I'm asking everybody for their food. They're like, no, I need my food, man. I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> Saying a lot of prayers, man, on those mountains. So I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but man. So when you say mountain climbing, is it like hiking? Was there like pitons? No, those two, those two, those two trips were um, and shout out to Casey Menish, a realtor who yeah. has gone on both. Um, those two are actual legit like mountain climbing where you're, um, you know, you've got your helmets on, you're roped in, you're in a group, you got crampons and ice axe and you're going yeah. over glaciers and you're, you know, it's some of the stuff was a little hairy. But if you're talking to like a real mountain, like people who do the big, big mountains, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's the warm up one. But I mean, for like a lay person, it's like they'd be like, oh, crap, like, I, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not a mountain man. That's pretty impressive. I heard Mount Rainier. I was like, oh, that's one of the ones. People talk about that one. Yeah, that one, you know, everybody, there are people that die on both of those mountains every year for sure. So my wife isn't too fond of it. But like when I ask her, hey, can I do this? She's like, why are you even asking? Like, you, you know, you're going to if, if I say no, you know, how can I live with that? But I really want you to go. Not really. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you climb mountains, we all use the phrase, the euphemism, like, oh, climb that mountain, or we all have a mountain to climb. When you've actually climbed a mountain and you come off the mountain. Yeah. Like, oh, it's like euphoric, bro. So I was going to say, it's like, it's got to be crazy. Like, you actually climbed a mountain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's, um, have you ever done skydiving or anything like that? Yeah. Have you ever, okay. So you know how you felt after that? It's kind of yeah. like a similar yeah. feeling of like, especially one of those big ones. You just, I mean, it's like, you get why some of these guys have this itch to just yeah chase the next one it ends up killing a lot of people because you got to go bigger and bigger and bigger yeah, you know? yeah. so yeah anyways when i once i got married i was like yeah i'm not going to be climbing mount everest or these other ones and kids kind of change your world especially you know would that be something you'd ever want to do like if the kids are all growing up i did for sure but then then I, you know again like kids really i think is, is the game mm -hmm. changer for me it's just like i just don't think that's personally very responsible but for, for, for me anyways i used to ride motorcycles and then that all ended when when i had kids and yeah. i even like revisited the thought of doing it as my kids are older now uh we were like we need another vehicle because i got a driver and then two more that are like back to back year after year that are going to be drivers and i'm like yeah. man i don't want to buy all these cars I was like maybe i'll just get a motorcycle i don't leave the house that much i'll ride again and then it, you know talk to the wife and, and she wasn't like an immediate no but then we like did the pro con list and it it's just you know, at the end of the day, you die, you die on a motorcycle. It's just not, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. So, right, right. But it's fun. Yeah. I get it. It was a lot of fun. I love, oh, I love riding. Yeah, man. So it, I can it's, imagine. Yeah. Same, same thing. Same thing. Very similar. For, for, for sure. Well, a couple other things. I mean, I wrote a bunch of notes down while you were, you were talking. I mean, you've just, I mean, already got to so many interesting things and, and things that have happened. And I love your perspective and open, openness and just being willing to share on these things. You yeah. mentioned a bunch of, bunch of siblings and yeah. you're kind of the old you're the oldest mm -hmm. um like how's all the breakdown what is the age gaps there and where is everybody kind of tell us about the uh, so I have two sisters out in colorado one's um like five years younger than me and one is about nine years younger than me and then i have um, a brother and a sister that were on this side um my gosh I, my brother i think is nine years younger than me and then my sister what is she like um 13 years younger than me so we started she started kindergarten i started college mm -hmm. that's my baby sister caitlin yeah so yeah so four siblings that are younger mm -hmm. which is interesting because i have like this with with some of them it's like almost like yes you're my brother but then with like caitlin it's like are you my brother and uncle or like what i don't know, like, yeah, you know yeah yeah i'm sure there's like maybe right. even like a parent element to it right. you know because you got all these life experiences and lessons and you know yeah, yeah uh, i try to shut up 
and not sure. that, but you know. Yeah, I've got a brother <laughs> that's tough. Oh, yeah, that's super tough. And, yeah, it's crazy when they're that that big an age gap. Yeah, like I yeah, he's 21 and I'm 37, and it's definitely weird. So I, I feel where you're coming from with that. But I never fought with my siblings. You know what yeah. I mean? I see my guys; they're like, I mean, they're like attacking each other constantly. <laughs> you know, so it's just totally different. I was like, oh, I never, you know, there was nothing to fight about. They were always like watching party while I was watching Sports Center. I mean, you know, like yeah. Dude, that's yeah that's that's crazy that's an interesting dynamic those 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 big age gaps and and you know everything they're all different right they're they're yeah. they're, just, they're just different experiences um and one of the things you were talking about earlier too and you said it was kind of a crazy story that you had this you know it wasn't what you expected when you went the college basketball route yeah and basketball has always been near and dear obviously i started out by saying you took me to a basketball game so this is something that's yep. you know really been you know instrumental in who you are and, and and how you developed and the lessons that you've learned you know if you feel comfortable to share a little bit about what that journey looked like yeah how the expectations didn't didn't match up and, and what you learned from that yeah, yeah so i started my mom Again, my mom, she's getting a lot of plugs here. I wasn't planning on that, but she's she got me in basketball when I was five and um, just fell in love with it. Right. And, um, you know, I think I think all of us can have to question kind of like, where do we get our identity from? You know, that's kind of a, a big thing in life to think about. And, you know, a lot, a lot of times it's it's based on, you know, some type of performance. Right. Like even in like work, we're measured by. Our, our performance or our success. So basketball is obviously no different. Like, you know, you have this goal, you want to get to this level. And, you know, I achieved like some level of success, I would say. Um, but my identity, in hindsight, my identity was totally uh, rooted in my basketball performance, right? Mm -hmm. So if I, if I was playing well or had a great game, it was real high, but I could be crushed by somebody saying, like a scout saying, Oh, he's good, but he's slow or he's this level, not that level. Right. Or somebody writes a bad article about you or whatever, or you just have a bad game or a bad stretch. Like it's like my worth as a human being would like ride based on my my latest basketball abilities and performance. And so I, I got a college scholarship. Most people would be like, oh, man, that's amazing. You got your school paid for. Like, that's great for me. I wasn't really happy with the level of school that I got the scholarship from. I took it. I always thought I'd be able to play at a bigger school and it just didn't work out that way. I had some other opportunities with that were bigger schools, but like air force was one. Um, but that required, had a military commitment too, but it still wasn't like, I wasn't going to Duke. I wasn't going to North Carolina. Yeah. Right? right. So, so that was a little issue. And then when I got there, you know, everybody always tells you what you want to hear when you're being recruited. Right. So it's like, you know, shout out to coach Greg Nybert. He gave me a full scholarship. I love you, man. But he told me, Oh man, we're gonna get you here, and you're gonna, um, you know, just shoot threes. It's gonna be great. We'll just get you open, you know. And it was nothing like that. Like they moved me to a different position. They made me like an undersized four man instead of like a two or three guard, which is what I was in college so, or in high school. So I was, you know, I had to like bulk up a bunch. Um, and the school only cared about defense. They didn't care about offense. And actually, like the middle of my sophomore year, I was like, this sucks. Like I'm, I'm transferring. So I came home at Christmas. I said, mom, I'm transferring. I was like, I, I don't know where I'm going. Like I might walk on at like an ACC school, see if I get some money. I might go to a different school, but I, this sucks. I hate it. Yeah. And she's, like, she's like, okay, well, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have lunch with your trainer, which is Mr. Kitchen. You've heard probably George Light yeah. talk about Mr. Mm -hmm. Kitchen a lot. So we went to lunch 
and he was like, you are so selfish. It's me, him, and my mom. And he was like, I can't believe this. He's like, so you're going to take a loan. You're going to either make your parents pay for college or you're going to be paying loans the rest of your life. He's like, you're an idiot. He's like, get over yourself. He's like, they're, this is a job. They're paying you. Okay. And you need to own it and overcome this adversity. And who cares? Like, don't let basketball use you. Use basketball. So, and the funny thing is I had seven other people in my class at Presbyterian on my team that they were freshmen ended up being five of us who stayed the whole time. But like five of us were, or at least four of us were all going to transfer. That was just our mentality. Like it was like negativity breeding negativity, right? Like we were like, this all sucks. We were all going to leave. And I came back after Christmas break. We were the only people at school. And I was just like, guys, you know what? It has sucked. But man, they're paying us $30,000 a year, $120,000 for education. I'm just going to break down every basketball activity and do the math on it. And like, if they paid me 50 bucks to go to the gym today and get yelled at and run, like, that's all right. That's better than some jobs. Like I'll go do that. Right. And all the guys say, you know what, if you're going to stay, we'll stay too. And, um, and we all graduated together, came in as freshmen, graduated together, lived together for four years. Some of my best friends in my life, shout out to Sean Dixon, just got an assistant job at, Clemson as a head, as a as a basketball coach, um, that's a big right. job for him. And then my buddy uh, Quentin Farrow, we call him Q. He's now the head coach at my alma mater, one of the youngest D1 uh, head basketball coaches in the country. So I just think back on that, like, man, if I didn't get that counsel and grow up right there, and come back and and just deal with it, the adversity, and I just quit or fold or whatever, I don't know if I'd be where I, I would not be where I am today in business or in life. Um, I would not probably have be married to the same person I'm married to. I probably wouldn't have my kids. Sean probably wouldn't be a head D1 head, or, or uh, Q probably wouldn't be a D1 head coach. I don't know if Sean would be where he is because we stuck together and we dealt with it. And those are some of the tightest bonds we ever had. Now, I, there was a whole other humbling process in there of like, you know, I didn't play as much as I would have wanted. I was more like a bench player coming in, had some little highlights throughout my career or whatever, but it wasn't. It wasn't anything that I dreamed of, right? And I actually didn't play basketball for a couple of years after college at all. I couldn't touch one. I didn't want to touch one. I was just like burnt out on it. Uh, but now I found the love again and, you know, just just playing for the original purpose. But I think I think part of it's funny how we go like whole, yeah. whole picture here, right? And I said I don't like to compartmentalize God because he's God of everything. I think God used basketball, something that he gifted me to be able to do well, um, and allowed me to have some success, but then allowed me to be like humbled through it because it really helped lead me to faith. Like I really like when I got out of school, yeah. I sort of had been beat up a good bit to where I was actually like off my high horse finally of like, oh, I'm the man, I play basketball, you know, to where I was actually like open to different things. And um, and then the other thing through basketball, I know I'm going long here, and just sports in general, but you learn so much that you can apply to business, yeah. right? Like, I mean, how to be a team player, like how to have accountability. Our rule at uh, Presbyterian was if you were if if you were a minute late for every minute late, you ran a mile. So we had an accountability system. Like if everybody was getting there thirty minutes early, right? By fifteen minutes early, if somebody wasn't there, we were going. Somebody was sprinting back, grabbing you out of the dorm, waking you up, find, like. I can only remember like two times in my four years where anybody was late to anything, you know? So, um, so you had that and you just had to deal with, you know, the ups and downs and hardship. I remember when I got this job at champion and they were like, yeah, you're going to work Monday through Friday. 
and I was like, man, I haven't had two days off in a row in like four years. Like I get the week, I get the whole weekend. Like I was like, oh man, this is awesome. I can work hard during the week. Like that's fine. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, it, being, a, being an athlete, it's not that you have to be. I think it's really valuable though. Like if you can find somebody who was a former athlete or, and, and just endured, whatever it was, don't look necessarily at like, what was the stat line, but they endured, like stuck with something for a long time. Like they're probably going to be pretty successful and have a good attitude towards, you know, whatever they're working working with. What's funny. uh, I'm a big science nerd. Um, Yeah. Like rockets, you know, they have these multi-stage systems that fall away. The bigger and bigger things fall away as they reach orbit. And I feel like in life, as you reach your thirties and then kind of beyond that, you do start to feel some of those, early stages fall away, but you're still the same rocket. It was still part of you. You know, it's still floating around in there. So you mentioned like refinding your, rediscovering your love of ball and be able to pick it up and just do what you're doing now. But yeah, like it got you where you wanted to be now and you didn't really know where it was going to be. It's it's exciting. You don't know that when you're 20 years old and you're just pissed because you're riding the pine. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. You don't have that perspective yet. You're not in orbit yet, but then you look back and you see it drifting behind you and you're like, damn, that got me here. That's yeah. crazy. So I don't know. It's it's a gift we get in our thirties. And our coach, our coach in college was hard, man. I mean, like he. Well, minute of the mile. I got, I got stories. Uh, he wouldn't want me to tell him. No, he's but he, he's hard, but he loved us. I'll say that. But yeah. like, I mean, Coach Nybert, like he trained under Bobby Knight, so it gives you a little. Oh wow. So uh, you know, he lit us up quite a bit. Um, but so also, I was like, oh man, if I can work for Coach Nybert for four years, I can, I can handle uh, anything. Something. Any, I can handle it, probably any boss, and, uh, you know, I can handle a realtor yelling at me or something if that comes up. Yeah. I've always, I've always really respected that about you. You know, I haven't known you like the majority of, of your life. You know, we, we, we met through work and you know, whatever that four years ago, three, God, I don't even know how long I've been. I think it was longer than that, man. Wasn't Maybe it? five years. God, that's the thing. It, just goes so, it goes so fast. But something that I've always yeah. disrespected about you, you and the other person that comes to mind is Chris Boris, is how you just uh, – you guys are so good at what you do. You you re, you really are, but you do it with such humility and grace. And it, it you know it is you do the things without it being about you. But you're able to navigate these incredibly complicated situations with people and problems in a way where it's like, and I don't know. This is like the outside looking in. Yeah. But like I see you and I see Chris and I see these things and I hear these like stories about problems that come up, and it's like. You know, I got I got really close to Chris Boris riding riding bikes with him and stuff, and he'd be like, "Yeah, we were dealing with this issue," and I'm like, "He's oh, an amazing guy, man, Chris." Both you guys are. What a great you broker. <laughs> he and when we ride, and he's like, "Yeah, we had this issue," and he tells me the story, and I'm like, "I wouldn't be able to sleep for a week, like until that was resolved." He's like, "Ah, this is work." You know, his story is <laughs> he had cancer when he was super young and almost died, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, it's like nothing is nothing's more challenging than that. And it happened, it happened young. And you had this really difficult situation, right, in your own right, and dealing with this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that was incredibly emotional at the time, but you were able to take that and process it and go like, you know, you were refined in the fires of, of, of difficulty and figuring out how to remove your ego from the decision-making process and really just humbling out and then leaning into your faith and these things that are all very complicated but tied together. And you're, you're that, you're just even keel. You're like, Hey, it's a problem. We'll get through it. Right. And you're sure. Yeah. I appreciate the compliment. And then, you know, I think that combined with maybe my, you know, my son's journey where, you know, when you realize that most of the stuff we deal with on a day-to-day basis isn't life or death. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, it's important, but just kind of step back and we can, 
we can work through it. You know, let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, yeah. I know, I know people that know, you know, the story um, yeah. because it's something that's really important and you've used it in such, you, you've taken tragedy and used it in such a meaningful way to change and affect uh, a, a, such a positive thing for so many. Tell us a little bit about that, what kind of happened, and then ultimately it led you to the, the nonprofit you have now. Yeah, okay. Just I'll just go high level, and if you guys want to dig more, you can. But um, So, yeah, so my son Caleb, our, our first uh, twin, was basically born with half of a heart um, called hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which required – you know, three big open heart surgeries um, at six days, two months and two years old. And, you know, parked us in the ICU at Children's National uh, for, you know, collectively about six months and, um, you know, definitely almost died numerous times, was on, you know, life support for five or six days, um, few strokes, several hundred seizures, crazy journey. And he's doing well, by, you know, right now, thank God, um, still watch closely, but he's just, he's, he's doing incredibly well. And so it just that journey and an introduction to a family that while that we met at the hospital um, and just what we felt God put on our heart was, you know, this, this calling to start this nonprofit wholehearted foundation. And so wholehearted foundation serves children uh, that have congenital heart disease and their families um, through, you know, like intense hospital stays basically. And, through a variety of different ways from, you know, spiritual support to, you know, helping pay for a lot of different bills and things for them, mortgage, rent, et cetera. Um, so just that's, that's the big picture, I guess you could say. And um, like today, matter of fact, I have, uh, got, we got referred three different families from Children's National that we're gonna reach out to and, and just meet them where they are and, and see, say, hey, what's the need, right? What's the need and how can we, how can we help meet that need? And so, um, you know, everybody in the business community has, has helped kind of fun and support it, which has been incredible. So it's been really fulfilling. And that's, that's kind of that story at the highest level, I guess. Yeah. And you've got you, you know, what did you envision when you started it? Like, what, what was your vision for, for what it would look like? How many people yeah. you helping? And, and then what is it doing now? The vision honestly was like, because we sat there, you know, and got to know everybody around us. There's 26 rooms in the CICU, the cardiac ICU at Children's. And when you're there a long, long time, like you, you know, you meet the parents in the waiting room and all this stuff and you know your neighbor next door and you know their kid's name and their condition and you know the ups and the downs and everything's a roller coaster. And so it's really emotional, you know, you know, you become friends with people whose child dies and you see it like you'll be walking through and hearing the alarms going off and people doing, you know, chest compressions on somebody. And it's just it's it's intense. Right. And so um, we were just so blessed through that process from our church support to people at champion to clients understanding to financially like all this stuff to where we didn't feel the pain that most people did like honestly we just were able to be there and be present and most people you know they, their job won't allow them to sit at the hospital bed the whole time or they have other children at home that they have to take care of and they're divided that way or you know um, there's all sorts of different reasons to why it can be totally chaotic and really ruin the rest of your life. Yeah. And so I was like, man, I, I feel like if we could just like people who aren't here don't understand what this is like, but I think we could help paint a picture for, for these people here. And I think that um, people would want to help them, you know? And so, but even if we got just a little bit of support, man, if we could help one family a year, you know, just carry them through that journey, let them not have to worry about like how they're going to pay their bill because they couldn't work because their kids basically dying. 
hopefully we'll live, you know, like this type of a thing. I was like, that'd be incredible. So the dream was like, man, if we could help one family a year, that'd be awesome. And, you know, we probably get referred somewhere between 75 and 100 families a year from the hospital now. And really, we've never had to say no to meeting their needs, which has been kind of crazy. I guess it's going on about six years since we started it. Um, and so it's definitely like far beyond what I would have expected. And, you know, I think um, had I known it would be like as big as it is, I probably would have been too scared to do it. <laughs> if I can be just honest, like it was kind of like something that was on your heart and I kind of knew what the next step was every time, but the rest of it was kind of hidden from me. Yeah. It's like, hey, take this step and uh, see what it looks like to start a nonprofit. And oh yeah, do you know, now you got to talk with an accountant about how that works and an attorney and all right, reserve the name and all right, build a website. And, you know, it just, it was one step at a time and everything was kind of like, I've met the right person at the right time that could help with it. Yeah. And then the hospital has got really like gotten behind it, which is, you know, you need, you would need that to have it work. And um, I think we've got a really great relationship with them now. And there's not really, it's kind of a niche that's not being met otherwise. So yeah. it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I, I don't have a lot of, a lot of experience with the nonprofits, but one of the things I know is, is it's, it's, it's a business where you're having to ask for help, you know, from people, yeah. you know, you, you're, you're relying on uh, the graciousness uh, of other people. And so I think one of the things of what you do and, and just hearing like the goal was we want to help one and now you're helping upwards of a hundred a year, like changing, like these, this is, these are moments that define these people. These, these become their stories that yeah. they share on podcasts and with other people and how they, 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 you know, they've taken those lessons and, you know, and, and sometimes they, they help people grow and sometimes they don't, you know, these, these experiences can be, can be very tragic and, but you guys are helping in a very meaningful way. So how can our listeners, artists, how can we help you? What are the things that you guys need help with in your nonprofit? Oh man, you know, um, I would just say if you like, if you ever see, well, you could like Wholehearted Foundation um, on on Facebook or whatever. Um, if you know of anybody who gets some tough news in the in the DC metro area, um, really, we talk to anybody anywhere. But as far as like the financial support, like we're really focused on on uh, Children's National right now because they kind of are the magnet uh, of this area for for the sickest of kids. So you know, you could just awareness to people. Um, certainly, if you ever want to give, like that's appreciated. But um, it's crazy how that just comes in, man. It's like um, this this girl passed away recently with my son's condition. We knew we knew of her before she was even born. Met with the mom and dad, and, and she lived a couple of years, and um, you know, unfortunately passed away. And they asked me to come speak at her at her funeral, and it was like super emotional, especially because it was the same condition as my my son, and you know, he's doing so well, and you have this other situation come up, but. Um, you know, in lieu of flowers, they're like, we don't, we don't need flowers or stuffed animals or whatever. Like just, you know, would you consider donating a wholehearted? And we, you know, we raised many thousands of dollars there like that day. And it was just because somebody was been, was impacted by us. And we have stuff like that happen. We'll have people who do that for their birthday, their kid's birthday, or we'll have a do it at, you know, a funeral, or we'll just have people that we've helped say to other people like, Hey, they, this organization really helped us, you know? So if you, if you'd support them, that'd be great. So I don't really have an agenda with it. Like it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like I just kind of like see, see where God's going to take it to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, Everything you just, described about that journey is just rooted in faith, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know where it's going to go, but I just, you know, I just gotta, I've been entrusted with a lot with it. I know that and uh, our board and, and um, there's people that kind of donate their time to it. So 
I'm just trying to be faithful with what I've been given, right? And uh, and and the rest will just you know take care of itself. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's super powerful, man. That's. I know when you were uh, when you were sharing, you shared that story in a lot more detail. Caleb's journey yeah. at our uh, at our planning day last year for 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 our coaching members and uh, and I had people come up to me afterwards and they were just like so emotional like they were so like, <laughs> they didn't think that's how they're going to start their business no, they, no they didn't they, they didn't and uh and i had i remember somebody came up to me and, and they just they were like if his son had died i would have murdered you like <laughs> put me through that emotional experience and i was like i was like well i, I probably wouldn't have done that um yeah. but, but it i mean it was that heavy like people were going through and you've told this story a number of times and there's people in the room who knew what was going on but the people who didn't were like what's gonna happen yeah, it yeah really that it was really that uncertain for the whole time and it took so long before i mean how long do you feel like it was before you could really go like <sighs> um so up up until his first surgery like not at all then after his first surgery when he got really sick um so really i'd say i'd say after his second surgery that was when his system was a little more stable i kind of felt like it was it was this surrender process internally i'll be honest with you and i talked about that um yeah. where like i had to realize that caleb is is he's my son like i get that um but he's he's not really my son like he's god's son entrusted to me that i'm you know i'm supposed to take care of and so i kind of had to just surrender it all and just you know trust uh that even if he did die that um god would somehow use that for good in my life and and somehow right and so then that, that's kind of i'd say that was right before his second surgery um, that that kind of happened. And then after his second surgery, I kind of had a feeling like, okay, you know, his system's a little more stable. I, I, I you never know, but I, I feel like he has a really, really good shot of, of doing well through the rest. Um, and then it's funny. He would, then after that, he would be in the hospital with like things that weren't even heart related. Like you would have to have stomach surgery because he was having reflux or he, all these things. And that part of it, I feel like was us being parked there so we could observe. Like, it's like, okay, the chaos is calmed down a little bit in your situation, right. but I'm still going to keep you here for like three or four months so that you can just really understand what it's like to be here a long time and what these families are going through. Because I think like the ways we formed our help with wholehearted, really came from that time. And that was really when a lot of brainstorming was happening. A lot of things were just coming to our heart and mind. And that's probably where things were shaped and formed more. So, you know, sometimes we feel like we're just stuck and you kind of don't know why. Um, and I felt like that was kind of it um, at that point. But, you know, good things came out of it, right? So, yeah, we well, you, you wouldn't want to go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In 20 years, you're back at that lunch table with, you know, Coach Kitchen telling you, like, see the opportunity in front of you. Yeah to grow and support others. You know what I mean? It's like you wouldn't have known as a freshman or whatever in college that right. 15 years later or whatever, you're challenged with this, but then it sort of applies the same thing. It's man, the narrative of your life. You get over yourself. Needles over here listening. It is crazy. Yeah. The journey, but a lot of people just muscle through it and they move on, but you actually kind of did something about it and, and you're so humble about it. You're like, yeah, I just wanted to help people. So, you know, God gave me this this journey, and now I'm here helping dozens and hundreds of people get through the hardest thing anyone. I'm sorry, again, I have a two week old son, so I'm yeah, like yeah. just riding the line right now of, of yep. listening to this, and I can't even imagine. We were at Children's Hospital a few days after it was born, getting some follow up tests, and they came back clear. Mm -hmm. We were really lucky. Good, but, man. Uh, I was just in it. I'm like, oh my god. So I can't imagine. I can't imagine 
it's an overall. Well, I think I think like I you know I'd have a period or two when I could like get out of the hospital like in between surgeries and um, you know kind of go back to normal work life for a little bit. And and my heart was just thinking about those people that were still there, honestly. And I was like, it was like a burden I was gonna have to care. Like I you, know, you had to do something. Like it's like when you, I had no idea about this world prior to you know my my children being born. And I don't know. So if you if you go somewhere and you see a disaster, like are you gonna you know go back and put your head on the pillow at night and pretend you didn't see it. It's kind of like, you can't unsee it. And, you know, I have a platform like in terms of just relationships and I was very transparent during the whole time about Caleb's journey. Just every day I would write down, you know, kind of what happened that day and like any prayer requests I had. And I'll be honest with you because I was desperate for people to pray for him. And I didn't really care what people thought at that point. It was like, I don't really, I don't really care if somebody doesn't like this. This is again, being authentic. Like, this is what, what I'm going through right now. This is the help I need. I would send it out to like some guys who were like, man, we'll pray for it no matter what. And I would just put it on Facebook. I didn't care. So everybody followed this whole, this whole raw journey. And so, you know, this platform was kind of like almost created where there was an awareness about it. So by the time I was like, man, I think we could help other people. Like one time we, we, we were like, man, we want to thank the nurses. Um, we're gonna make these Team Caleb shirts, and anybody who buys a Team Caleb shirt, like, we'll just donate the money to to thank the nurses, and uh, and we sold like 315 in like you know a couple of days, like it was like crazy, you know. So um, people, man, I feel like if you're real and and you're open and uh, and you're coming from the right place, like people will get behind that and want to help, which is really, I mean, it, it gave me a whole new um, inspiration, I guess, for for my work. Um, relationships and stuff let's be honest sometimes in real estate or any work like after a while you can get burnt out or you you know is this what i'm supposed to be doing is there i came back after the caleb thing and i was like man these people who are my clients and my coworkers, like they really care about us you know and they really you know they were there for us through all of that it wasn't just about like some you know business relationship no it's deeper than that it's personal like it was a community you know and so that was really inspiring to me and sort of rejuvenated i guess like my my passion for like the business i'm in too yeah yeah you know well, that's the thing is a lot of people do go home and unsee it and you didn't and i just i want to shout that out like it's oh thanks man billions of people unsee things every day that they have to look at and turn their cheek and it's like and you were like no i can that's a mountain i can climb like, oh, I, I, pro I probably would have if it was like a, a one-day thing no, that's maybe. probably why we were there for months Good, yeah <laughs> No, that's amazing. It's yeah. it's very it's personally it's inspiring to me, and I don't always say that on these podcasts. I meet a lot of nice people, but no, that's really moving to me. It's crazy you took the initiative to do that. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had quite the like uh, almost like an emotional roller coaster just listening to these different stories because I connected super deeply on your like athletic journey and the experiences yeah. you had, um, especially the moment where you know, you talked about how your identity became entrenched in your yeah. experience and your proficiency on the basketball court. Um, and for me, it took me 20 years to undo the damage from some, some instances, some trauma that I had in high school, which I always wrote off as something that was so silly to get and allow to influence you. So in store, instead I just ignored it for yeah. years. And one of the things I reflect on about you is you, you kind of came to that realization pretty quickly as you were going through it. Not quickly. I mean, over a four year journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so that's, it, it's just something like reflecting and, and identifying with, with that experience. That was, that was, that was emotional. And then your son's journey and I have four kids and been one of the luckiest people on the planet to none of them ever having had anything significant from a health challenge standpoint. And it's, 
it's easy to just go through your life and not even like blinders on just like don't even only pay attention to it you know life is tough already so let me just worry about focusing on those things as they come because i know that they're going to come as opposed to going like what good could i do if i just paid attention mm -hmm. yeah well you know when i saw my son suffering so much i mean i'd stand over his bed and he'd be like i'd watch the monitors go you know crazy and they'd be like well yeah he can't communicate with you but when his blood pressure skyrockets or this skyrockets like he's in pain he needs more he needs more you know narcotics or whatever right so I'm like, it's just, it's, it was grueling. And I'm like, this, this pain can't be wasted, man. Like, I felt like he's doing his part. He's fighting as best he can. Like, I got to do my part. Right. And, and, uh, and so that's all I just like, yeah, like you said, turn, turn pain into, into a purpose. Um, you know, had the platform, had the calling and yeah. you know, it's, we all were privileged to kind of, step yeah. yeah. Yep. We're all Just take the next to step. Protect our family, you know what I mean? It's like that's one of the biggest privileges we have in developed society. It's like this is our family. That's what I'm worried about. But for you to extend your family and your tribe around these other people that were struggling that you found kinship with and then take a leadership role again instead of a backseat. It's just really awesome. But I don't know, appreciate it, brother. We're starting to get toward the end of the podcast. Uh, Richard, yeah. I'm sure you have a couple more questions, but then we'll try and lighten things up and talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do we'll, we'll do a quick pivot. Uh, but I mean, I'm always listening, and what I do is like I take notes as we go through and 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 try to recall things. But I'm always looking for like a compelling title for the podcast because I think what I have learned from people and audiences a lot of time is the title is the thing that they'll click on, right? It's like what is what's this thing, right? Like it's like it's the most succinct way to sell an hour worth of content, you know, of people talking and you know what you You'll get, get one listener. It's going to be my mom. <laughs> hey, that's right, man. We, we get one. Like, send me the podcast. I intentionally don't look at the viewership. I don't yeah. because I do this not because I do this because it's so fulfilling to me. You changed my life in a meaningful way today. Right. So I don't care if anyone else has their life changed. Like it's not about that. I hope that they do. I hope that they can find some good in that get emotional um that's why we do it you know the stories and for me the the title for today is pain into purpose yeah. turn pain into purpose because we all got pain we yeah got pain absolutely so good stuff man yeah dude, dude yeah Whew, this was heavy heavy all right so let's 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 switch i'm gonna try get to light, get light, man. Hold myself. work stuff man so you've been champion 17 years. You've been over there. For those of you who don't know, champion title is you guys uh, You guys service real estate transactions, commercial transactions, helping to uh, help people obtain ownership of real estate assets. Um, yeah. And you have a number of duties in there. And you've said you've evolved in your role over the last 17 years. And of yeah. course, we want, because you've given us your time and you've shared such compelling stories, I want you to be able to have a chance to use this platform to share what would be helpful for you from a professional standpoint, who you're looking for, who would be helpful to connect with, or why someone might be able to reach out to you and, and how you might be able to help them. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So, you know, I help oversee our sales and business development. I started, I was the, I order payoff statements. I was the courier. I was uh, answering the phones. I've done, I've done all that stuff. Uh, I did closings right after college and uh, then I got into sales and, and now I have the privilege of kind of like leading our, our sales efforts and business development efforts and um, and wearing a bunch of different hats, you know, behind the scenes with that. We have, um, you know, over 100 people here at Champion and it's just an awesome company, but we're still yeah. family, um, family led and everything. And it's uh, it's great. So the, the ownership at the top is amazing. But I would just say, gosh, if you're in real estate and, you know, you, you maybe are 
don't have a great relationship with the title company or um, open to having a conversation, whether you're a, a builder, um, you know, a realtor, a, a lender, whatever. I mean, that, that'd be a great introduction. And I, I just look at it like, you know, I'm not going to tell you that we can do everything somebody else can. I need to sit down with you and have a conversation. So um, find out what your needs are. And then if it's a great fit, I'll be honest with you. If it's better somewhere else for you, I'll be honest with you there too. I'm not a pushy sales guy. I've appreciated that about you because that yeah. is actually, we've had that conversation you yeah. and, I, and you've been very honest about it. This is what we do well. And this is who I think we can serve at a high level. Yeah. And if it isn't that you're, you're the first one to say like, you know, and that, I think those are the best salespeople. Yeah. You know, I, I look to you and I respect you a ton. Right. And, and, and I think that's one of the things, and you guys do a lot. You do a lot in the sales. You guys are one of the biggest in our, in our, in our market area. And, and, and I think by and large, that is people realize that it is about selling. It's about serving. Right. Yeah. And you guys serve really, really well. You care. You work incredibly hard. I've had a chance to even peek behind, you know, behind the curtain a little bit and getting to see how just how diligently and how much effort you guys put into that that serving. And so hopefully some of our listeners will take you up and try to reach out to you or Katie or, you know, yeah. any of you guys that 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 are there to just have a conversation and find out if it is the right fit. So we would definitely encourage you guys to do that. You guys are all awesome. good straight testimonial i've used champion title dozens of times and all of you are awesome it's all about the team brother like i can we can bring a deal in and you know if somebody doesn't service it on the back end so our operations team is incredible our attorneys are amazing mm -hmm. katie does a phenomenal job just with the relationship building and everything like that so it's a you know i have i have my role but like like i said in basketball might be like hey you know hit the three-pointer but you, you know these guys you need a point guard you need somebody to set you a screen and then you're gonna have to play some defense like you, you need everybody right so we got i feel like we have a really really good team and sure. you know in my job and my role like if you don't have a good team behind you you can't stay somewhere for 17 years right like you just True. you know they have to fulfill on on the the leads and stuff that you get but we we have the best i mean it so uh it's awesome Appreciate it, Peyton. Ryan, any final thoughts? Anything that you feel like you want to impart that's on your heart or in your head? That you know, I just I think it's so cool that you guys are are doing stuff like this. Um, and like you said, you're not you're not concerned. It reminds me of wholehearted. You're not concerned about man. I need a million viewers, right? Like you're like man, like I'm kind of doing it for me and for you know one other person, whatever. I mean and. I think that's cool. I think the most pure-hearted, genuine things, um, you know, tend to tend to do well if you do them for the right reasons. You know, so just I would say, just I want to encourage you guys, keep it up, man. It's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Everything you're doing with coaching and everything, it's great, man. That's a lot appreciate of fun. it, man. And we'll make sure we put all the information, wholehearted champion. We'll put it in all the information, so folks need to reach out to you. We'll get it to them. And and can't thank you enough for being on today. I know it's be appreciate it, guys. It's awesome. awesome. That was intense. That was awesome. It. Uh, I'm glad we did it. I'm a wreck. I'm gonna have a lie down after this. <laughs> I'm gonna in fetal position for ten minutes and then take my next coaching call and hope I can keep it together. Yeah. All right, man. Ryan, it was great to see you, Thank buddy. You, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate it. Woo! What a phenomenal human being. What a doozy. Who <laughs> man? You've yeah. even heard the story. I've heard the story. I know. I'm still so like, many times I like and it's still. Bit. I don't know, man. He he's a wizard with words. You too, like both. You used the word piety, and both of us were like, "Is that mean?" <laughs> he knew what I meant. He was trying. To <laughs> but dude, man, dude, that, that felt good, man. That felt right. I just hope some people took some lessons from that. I know I did, man. That that take your personal empowerment and your personal journey, and like I I know I tried to kind of create that narrative because that's kind of how my brain works. But I was like, yeah, you take him. 
from being frustrated and not being where he wanted to be and be a star and then kind of resign himself initially to it, but then own it and lead his team and then move forward. And you look at his parents being who they are, his mom clearly super motivated to help people and taking it to heart. And he's like, oh, I found my faith in my 20s. Everybody did, unless they were, you know, like one in 10 people who were faithful in their 30s found that in their adulthood and reinvigorated it. And then like just takes it to that level and helps so many people. Like, it's like, wow, <laughs> like really. Powerful, powerful. Wow. Anyway. Well, I can't thank Ryan enough. We'll make sure we include his information. Of course, Peyton and I, um, you know, I, uh, I'm Richard Bridges, have Bridges Business Solutions. We try to help entrepreneurs figure out easier ways to live their life uh, and to now hopefully help people channel pain uh, into purpose. Yeah, uh, sure. another, another way. That's a new new thing that I looked, learned and took away from today. And Peyton? I'm uh, Peyton with Milestone Virtual and uh, Pearson Smith Realty, a uh, full service real estate agent, and also working to service, uh, so provide people a virtual assistance to take what Richard says and automate that so that you don't have to do the stuff you don't want to do. Uh, but yeah, we're thankful that you joined us today and so grateful for Ryan for giving us an hour of his time today. Um, yeah, I guess we'll still do our pew pews, but I feel like it's almost like. Yeah, I dude, I was actually thinking about, I was like, yeah, maybe instead of we're doing pew pews, I'll tell you what, instead of our pew pews, we'll bring pew pews back next week. Yes. Uh, if goodness. you haven't know what a pew 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 is, then you'll have to listen to the previous episodes. Yeah, but like, up. share, subscribe. If you can share this with somebody, if it touched your heart, that's a that's the yeah. best thing you can do. You know, whether you use our businesses or not, if you can help. Wholehearted. Yeah, please just, just share oh the wholehearted gosh. champion title. Ryan, just awesome people. Oh, we're lucky to have you. Well, thanks folks. Live long and live long and prosper. Take care. We'll see yeah, you soon. Guys. See ya.